What are we calling him? Robert. Oh, this ball is absolutely blistered. Left center field, long run, Luis Robert got it! He's going to be an absolute beast for, you know, the next 10 to 20 years. A grand slam for Luis Robert. Luis Robert got a hooker and just buried it out there. I've seen a lot of underarm mannequins that look like that. You will see. You're going to be the next Mike Trump. Oh boy, Luis Robert, look out to the concourse. In Cuba, siempre se pronuncia Luis Robert. Luis provides a special combination of power and speed. A combination of Andrew Jones and Bo Jackson. And even oohs and ahs buzzing from this crowd on how far and how loud that home run was. This one had that sound. American League, National League, get ready because Luis Robert is coming. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox podcast with Tanny and Herb. Tanny and Herb. Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. I am Herb Lawrence. With me, as always, is Chris Tannehill. How are you doing today, Chris? Oh, doing just fine, Herbie. And Locked On White Sox is brought to you by our friends at CBDMD. It doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete a stay-at-home parent, podcaster like us, uh, or you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair, whether it's at home or at the office, everyone needs support to make it through the day. Luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. Not to mention CBD Recover, which is a product that combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds such as Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters the most. And to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBDMD has to offer, they're offering all of our listeners, you Lockdown White Sox listeners, 25% off your next order when you use promo code LOCKDOWNMLB at checkout. That's LOCKDOWNMLB. Promo code to save 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. Tonight we're going to do a little something different. We're ramping up to the regular season, which starts uh, Thursday night. And for the White Sox, it starts on Friday. But we thought it was important to, uh, to not lose sight of this this year, is that we are going to be doing one episode a week. Uh, we're going to try to stick to that schedule where we're going to do a new little sub-genre of shows here on Locked on White Sox. We're going to do Locked on... I don't know what we're even going to call it. We're going to Locked on Lubob, Locked on Luis. I don't know. What, what, do you, what should we call this thing? I want to spotlight Luis Robert one day a week. Let's just put it like that. What, what should we call it? Luis works for me because it goes LOL. That's great. Oh. He's going to have some scary, funny stats. <laughs> what, what about Locked on La Pantera? Is that too that's that's too too wordy? Yeah, and I'm not, you know, I can't get there. <laughs> La Pantera. You know, sometimes it sound, I'm trying to get too authentic with it. No, Locked on Luis. I'm good with that. All right. For sure. Or Locked on Robert. Let's see. Locked on no, Lock, doesn't work. Locked on Lubob. That's a, that, there's a there's a there's a culture war going on with Sox fans and, and Lou Bob and how they feel about the about the nickname Lou Bob. I've noticed. I'm good. It anglicizes his name. I'm good. I'm, <laughs> I know it's already Roberts, so it's very anglicized. But let's go with Luis. I'm good with Luis. Give him some culture. It's not too hard for me to say. And the LOL, it works for me. But La Pantera does what the, does also have the lot LOL, but you can say LOLP. 
All right, so locked on Luis or locked on Luis Roberts. One of those things will work, I think. You know, lock, Sox fans know who we're talking about when we're talking about Luis. So if you see that, you know what it is. But we're going to go back a little bit and talk about White Sox prospects of yesteryear. And it, it's a very loaded conversation when you talk about White Sox prospects. And there's a lot riding on Luis Roberts' shoulders this year and for his career. He's already gotten the $88 million contract by the White Sox. Uh, I think it was the 2nd of January this year before all this stuff went down with COVID. People forgot about that. He's locked in. No service time issues for Luis Robert this year. But Herbie, let me ask you, when, when you think of White Sox prospects all time, good or bad, what flashes through your mind first? Um, for me, it goes automatically to Mike Cameron. Okay. I mean, he was had the athleticism, the the hit tool, all the stuff that you wanted. And if he was of now, I think you would label him as a five tool player. So yeah, that's what I think about when I think about White Sox prospect. And I think he had a pretty decent career overall for his whole uh, career not here with the White Sox. It was the White Sox. I think he was largely disappointing, but. That's the guy, if you say White Sox prospect, and then I think about one, that's the guy I come up with. Yeah, it's funny, the, the Mike Cameron thing, because obviously he's ultimately dealt for Paul Canerco, and he went mm-hmm. on to still, you know, Cameron still had a little bit of success at the major league level after that. But it's, it's funny, that's a name that I hadn't thought of uh, when talking about White Sox prospects. But one name that, that I did think of, you know, you think of Frank Thomas. That's the one that, that kind of flashes through my mind because this whole prospect like idolizing and prospect watching really didn't become a thing until like the last 15 years or so right like it's you know with with the internet and the information we have at our disposal now it's not a thing until recently right you know you can follow on twitter you can see what a kid's doing 15 16 years old watch videos on youtube you can see guys like ben badler tweet videos of guys in in Cuba and the Dominican Republic. So this is something that's really become in vogue relatively recently, especially when you talk about over the course of history. But, you know, the Sox kind of built their 1990s empire with top prospects. They drafted, you know, Jack McDowell and Robin Ventura in the late 80s. But then in the 90s, here comes Alex Fernandez and and Frank Thomas. But ultimately, when I think White Sox prospects, sadly, I, I think of more busts than anything. And mm-hmm. this is a great list put together uh, about a year back by Chris Kampka. Again, another Kampka mention uh, here on Locked On White Sox of of the White Sox prospects, sort of by year and, and where they ranked uh, over the course uh, of the Baseball America list and the top prospect list. Like, not a lot of high prospects. Oh, sorry, sorry, <laughs> I'm watching the game and the first ball hit. It's in right center field, and Luis Robert is running. A thousand miles per hour, and the ball is looking like it's going to Nicky Delmonico, and it looks like they're about to collide. And just at the last second, Nicky like peels off. Luis Robert is fast; he's in right field that quickly. And so we're, we're talking about Luis Robert. I thought there was going to be a collision, and we're going to have to cancel this episode and the rest of the season for these Luis or these locked on Luis Robert shows. Well, Goodness gracious. Well, that's funny. Like I, I'll probably just end up leaving this in there because it is timely, but that's that's one of the my concerns going into this year about the outfield is where it stands now and we find out today that we're not gonna have Nomar Mazzara for the at least the uh the, the opening series against the twins and we'll talk about that more uh in tomorrow's preview episode of the season, but I worry about someone getting hurt out there because he's so fast and young and aggressive and the other guys like Eloy 
Well, it's really more so Eloy's not <laughs> as athletic and as aware. Uh, you have a better shot out there with Leori Garcia or Adam Engel. They have a little bit more awareness, but it's still it's going to be clunky. You see this uh, year after year as we go through this rebuild, guys who haven't played a lot of big league ball together having issues when they get out in the field together. Who's the who takes charge? Who's the captain out there? Communication, even guys. I wish Tim Anderson would ch- take a little more charge uh, in the infield, especially balls mm-hmm. that, that that go out to like shallow left field so yeah that that's that's kind of that's pretty timely uh that, that that happens tonight but back to back to the prospect list so this is a list uh, comprised by chris kampka top white Sox prospects over the years and, and where they ranked in the top 100 list and there's a lot of more bad than good you talk about 2013 courtney hawkins he only ranked as yeah. high as 68 he of course famously did the backflip uh, on draft night <laughs> on television mm-hmm. there after he was picked by the Sox. Um, Addison Reed was number 100. He was low man on the top 100 list, but there he was mm-hmm. right there for you. Uh, guys like Josh Fields ranked number 24 back in 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, another name that, that has come to mind recently with Robert because they played the same position, but Brian Anderson. Brian Anderson came with a lot of hoopla in mid-2005 when he famously early on in his Sox career took Felix Hernandez deep in that 05 mm-hmm. season twice and that was like a big deal at the time because Felix Hernandez at the time was like you know this his he was a young hotshot prospect in his own right and it was sort of like oh a little prospect on, on prospect action here maybe we got something in this Brian Anderson and he, and he played a, a great defensive center field for the White Sox for, throughout his career here but ultimately you know 2006 happened and they bring in Rob McCoviak and they brought him in to play center field and that just did not work out particularly well at all um, but you, you think of guys like Ryan Sweeney, another outfielder who was uh, in 2005, he was Baseball America's uh, 31st ranked prospect for the White Sox. And Ryan Sweeney, you know, he had a career after leaving the White Sox with Oakland, became one of those like, you know, nameless, faceless guys on successful Oakland athletics teams. Um, you know, but then you think of some of the better guys, Chris Sale, when they drafted him in 2011, he was as high as 25 on the top prospects list of, of 100 guys. And it, it goes to show you sometimes what these lists mean, really. Not not a whole lot sometimes because Chris Sale, you know, a, a top-tier pitcher in the American League, even with his time with the White Sox before he won a World Series in Boston. But then you start thinking of guys like 2009, number one draft pick, eighth overall, selected before guys like Aaron Hicks, Garrett Cole, Jason Kipnis, Craig Kimbrell. You have Gordon Beckham who today was just released by the Mets. I thought he was going to give it a go on the 2020 Mets, but he and Melky were both released today, which is, you hate to see that. You know, I thought that was going to be my squad, the nine Mets, my squadron with the two former White Sox on it. Wait, well, Gordon, what comes to your mind when you talk Gordon Beckham, Herbie? Um, a hot start and everybody going out of their minds about him. And then hearing about a possible Adrian Gonzalez trade, and all the White Sox fans saying, no, we don't want Adrian Gonzalez. We got this kid. He's great, great. Everything about him is excellent. And he sucked the rest of his career. That's, I mean, he had such huge expectations, especially after that rookie year. I saw through it. I wanted, if we're going to get a top-tier player at the time, Adrian Gonzalez, I was all for it. So that's what I think of mostly with uh, Gordon Beckham. And that he's Scott Fletcher's son-in-law too. Yeah. So the trade was wasn't it wasn't it uh, John Danks? What about Danks and Gordon Beckham for Adrian Gonzalez? Wasn't that the rumored trade that I'd always heard 
over the that years. That sounds that sounds about right. Yeah, which is funny because like at, you know, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, you're like, oh, you know, uh, after you know, John Danks comes up in 07 and and he, of course, after the blackout game, you're like, oh, maybe you have something here. Maybe you have a top of the line starter here in John Danks, and of course, you know, he got the injury and things were never quite the same for John Danks and you know they gave him the big contract and it fed into the Jerry Reinsdorf thing of not giving uh, starting pitchers big time contracts after that it sort of reinforced those thoughts but then you think of a guy like Joe Borchard and there's a lot of toolsy athletes when you look at White Sox number one draft picks over the years but as far as prospects go this is you know right on the cusp of when people started doing this you know the this this prospect watching and Joe Borcher was a guy who played quarterback in Stanford. And there, I remember at the time there was a lot of attention being paid to Joe Borchard and people were saying, all right, this guy, he can do it all athlete can hit it for power. Here's your man right here. And never really amounted to much. I, he may still have one of the longest home runs hit at, at us cellular field. Then it was, of course, I think the, it's still official. Yeah. Okay. That yeah. He is the longest home run in the current, the field currently the white Sox play. I think, the home run hit by Eric Chavez off of Gary Glover is further, but you know they can't have a uh, opposing team guy being the home run record leader. Of course not. Yeah, it wouldn't be right. So the the term White Sox prospect is it's a very loaded term, as I said, and I think the the name that comes to mind I've I've, I've sort of done the clockwork orange, just like you know bleach my mind and my eyes of all those prospects, the bad prospects of yesteryear. And sort of re- refresh the the palette here, and I, I think Yoan Moncada, because this iteration of the White Sox doesn't happen without the Chris Sale for Yoan Moncada trade. Moncada was the number one prospect when the Sox acquired him, and so far so good for Yoan in the White Sox uniform. He's, he's lived up to that number one prospect billing, and he looks like he's the you know uh, a piece you can build around, someone that's going to be on your team for a decade and put up good numbers and be a perennial top 10 AL MVP candidate. So I, I think Yohan Moncada because he really started it all for the White Sox, and that was sort of like the first the first piece that they collected. It was like, okay, now we have something here. Now let's keep adding on to that. Which brings me to Luis Robert. And to put us, put this in context here, Luis Robert was born August 3rd, 1997. So if you don't <laughs> feel old yet, he was released after Wu-Tang Forever was released, which was on June 3rd of 1997. So when Rizzo was saying you don't even have to go to summer school because Wu-Tang Forever is all the education you need, R- Luis Robert wasn't even born yet. So at, Yeah, <laughs> I was out of high school before Luis Robert. I, was, I think I finished a year of high, college before Luis Robert was born that's yeah. amazing yeah so i i think the of the white Sox rebuild in in a lot of different flashes uh, of 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 you know memory synapses that fire off when i think of over the past four years of the rebuild but one of the best memories that i have is when the white Sox signed luis robert so i take you back to May 20th, 2017, and I was having a birthday party up at Cole's Children's Museum for my daughter, Juliana, and she was turning three, and uh, I'll just be honest, I was a shit dad that day. Uh, I did all, Ooh. I did the bare minimum of things required by me uh, as a dad, and you know, when you're doing a party at a big event like that with a whole lot of kids running around, and you brought your own food, and you know, you're trying to like 
talk to all the parents that come and things like that. So I was, I was, I did the bare minimum requirement. I had the minimum amount of flair as a dad that day. But I remember there was no cell signal at the Coles Children's Museum because it's so many people there. And we had heard about Luis Robert for about a month before that. And I just remember going out and constantly refreshing my phone because you had, you had, there was reports that he was wearing a White Sox hat on Instagram, and you couldn't really tell. Like he was taking BP with a black hat on. It's like, oh, it must be a Sox hat. And then you know, which it really didn't do us any favors uh, when Manny Machado came along and they had the whole thing with the Rawlings glove that was silver and black. Like you know, I think like mm-hmm. we, we were we were burned by by that because of the Luis Robert thing. It was like, you know, we, we saw that we're like, Oh yeah, that's definitely a thing. We've seen it before with Luis Robert. So what take me back. Did, did you have any memories of that when they signed him that, that day in particular, or the days around that time period is like, okay, this is a big deal in, in uh, the history of the franchise. I like most white Sox fans was out, you know, didn't really know about Luis Robert. I had heard about him. Um, but I was like, okay, another Cuban-born player, blah, 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 blah. He might fizzle out, whatever. I don't know that much about him. Them getting him is a coup. I knew other teams are big on him, and for the fact that the White Sox got him, I, you know, they thanked uh, Jose Abreu for his influence in that regard. But, like, I had never seen any video on him. And then I remember the subsequent months, he went to, like, a Dominican league, Dominican rookie league and he was murdering balls. Yes. I was like, okay, now I understand why they got this young kid and how good he is. I'm surprised still by how much from 2018 to 2019, how much better he got. And I got to remind myself, he got that much better because of development. He was mostly injured in 2018, but like in 2019, he had a bunch of home runs and a bunch of extra bases hit that he, that, we as White Sox fans really didn't see in previous years, but I guess, you know, the maturation, the understanding what baseball is all about, what pitchers are trying to do to you came to him and it came to him quick and he turned into the number one prospect in baseball right now. It did. Yeah. And I think that's why I'm so encouraged by him this season. And and we'll get to that in a second. But so to take you back to uh, May 20th, 2017 to cut. So I like to put things in the context because things aren't all bad all the time, uh, despite living in the social media era where everything is the worst thing to ever happen in that moment. So the White Sox lineup, May 20th, 2017, they actually, they, they beat the Mariners 16 to one that day <laughs> in Seattle. And their lineup consisted of Yomer Sanchez, Melky Cabrera, who we just mentioned decent Jose Abreu. Uh, excellent. Avi. That year, I don't know. Probably good. Um, the Todd Father. That year, not yeah, not good. Twenty seventeen, yeah. terrible. Uh, Tim Anderson, st- you know, he had Excellent. made his made his debut the year before. Uh, Matt Davidson, another guy on the prospects list here. My guy. Uh, well, My guy. We know that he failed, and we talked about them the other day, and how we we're like depending on guys like him and his level of talent, and now you see actual real, real talent that's performing at a major league level. Where's he at these days, Matt Davidson? Is he going to get a shot, a shot in someone's the bull, Reds. bullpen he maybe? He had a home run today in uh, their scrimmage versus the Tigers. Wow, how about that? 
So far for, yeah. for his career, he's a, a even 0.0 war player, according to uh, baseball reference Matt Davidson is. But he's got a lovely a, beard. Apparently he photo. made the team, too. Nice. Good for him. So, I mean, I don't think it's official, but it yeah. looks like you know, they haven't cut him. That's great because he was like one of my favorite, you know, just personality guys. Like he was kind of, he was a, he was an odd guy but funny, you know. And and he had some big home run moments there against the Royals. I remember on opening day a few years back. So uh, Davidson, the Narv dog Omar Navias was catching that day. I mean, he was uh, he had a glove. I don't know if he was catching that day. <laughs> and uh, batting ninth in center field, Willie Garcia. So this oh, is... <laughs> I forgot the Willie, the Garcia, the triple Garcia. That yes. was not that day, though. Was no, Willie, it wasn't. It was, what was it, the other one. It was soon after that. It, it was Leori, Avi, and Willie. Oh, yes. So I Ma- forgot. Mas Willie Garcia's, Garcia. the, 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 the Trace Garcia. the Twins, right? I think so, yeah. They, they did it a few times, I think, because uh, they had, you know, relative success for the first calendar year of a rebuild. Like, it wasn't as bad as everyone thought it was going to be that first year because you still had some talent and you still had Avi who you didn't know what you had yet. So that's why I always say, you know, acquiring Avi was like the soft launch of the rebuild. Um, but yeah, so you, so you had a, a, a pretty bad lineup out there that day, the day they signed Luis Robert. And mm-hmm. so it gives you a little perspective there. And I want to take you back to Luis Robert's introductory press conference. Now, this is a week later. I remember this day pretty vividly because the Sox had a doubleheader against the Tigers that day, and it felt like one of those turning points in in the organization. Not only when they signed him, but just the the just the vibe around the team sort of changed when they when they rolled out Luis Robert. And here's Rick Hahn talking about the courting process and their presentation to Luis Robert going as far back as uh, as April of 2017, and with Marco Patti scouting him when he was much younger. Today's an important day for the organization, one that uh, marks another step forward in this process that we began a little bit over a year ago. Uh, And in adding Luis to our organization, we feel we've added another dynamic, potential impact talent to our organization. Uh, Luis, who we view having the potential to be a impact center fielder for the long term, uh, provides a special combination of power and speed uh, that's unique in this game to get today, and he becomes instantly one of our top position player prospects. Uh, one of the things, and one of the top outfield prospects in the game, I should say. Uh, one of the things I think is important for everyone here to understand, and I appreciate you bearing with me as we go through this, is this is uh, the result of a organizational effort and the result of Many people throughout this organization working together to continue to improve where we are and where we're headed. Uh, I know that I'm the one who winds up with many of the uh, internet memes and gifs about me. My my kids like the wrestling entrance one, so whoever did that, thank you. Uh, But in reality, uh, I'm just one part of this whole thing. Scott Reifert, our head of communications, and I had a conversation when the club was in uh, New York facing the Yankees about how can we best present ourselves to Luis to help introduce who we are as an organization and what we're about and how he fits. We called Jeremy Haber, our assistant GM, and within six days, Kenny, Marco, and I were traveling to the Dominican with uh, several tools, an iPad, uh, with a video presentation, some of which you've heard about already, uh, that explained the White Sox history and spoke to Luis directly about how he would fit and why we thought he was going to be an important part of our organization going forward. 
the video was narrated by Ricky Renteria. Uh, it included messages directly to Luis from Jose Abreu, Johan Mancada, and Michael Enoa, uh, who shares a trainer with Edgar Mercedes, who is here today. He shares a trainer with uh, Luis and made clear to him uh, how he fit into this organization going forward. All right, so there's Rick Hahn from May 27th, 2017. And it's funny to, to go back and hear, and, and I had forgotten that of all people, Michael Enoa was one of the main guys in recruiting Luis Robert. That's that's some shit that, that you'll get here on Lockdown White Sox. Years down the road when Luis Robert hopefully is a perennial all-star, you'll, you'll remember the name Michael Enoa as one of the guys that, that helped recruit him. But that was such a, a big day in the history of the franchise when they signed Luis Robert because for me – it gets back to this isn't a draft pick that you tanked and got lucky and hit on, which, as we know with the White Sox, it doesn't happen a lot in their history. So it's not like, you know, it's, it's something that, you know, that they can count on over the years is solid drafting. Uh, it wasn't a piece you that you acquired that because you, you fleeced someone in a trade because they were desperate, which is, you know, however you get guys, it's fine with me. I don't really care. But this was important because with Luis Robert, you had to – First and foremost, you had to pay him. You, you had mm -hmm. to come out to the table with a respectable offer. And then you had to prove that your culture was worthwhile. And you also had to have guys in your organization willing to stand up for that team's culture. So that's why, for me, that day was such a big day in the history of the franchise. And, and I suppose time will tell how big it will actually be, uh, depending on the success of Luis Robert. But going back to to that time did you think it was you know in looking at it through the lens of today where all of a sudden he's the number three prospect in all of baseball and he's going to be starting center fielder for the White Sox on opening day did you think that day was as big a deal as I did back then not at all I thought it was a big day but I didn't think it was program changing game changing as the White Sox uh, are pretty much from that day have been one of the players as far as the rebuild has gone. I thought, you know, it's another guy. I was like, Abreu, I thought, was a bigger uh, thing for them to get because I was so excited. I had seen highlights of him playing games versus other people in the Cuban League. So I was like, okay, this guy's got a hit tool that can't be stopped. So I can see it. I know that in games he looks the part. So I feel that that was a bigger moment for me. Now looking back, and I spoke to this the other day, Luis Robert looks to be, if everything pans out, the best of these prospects. I better than Johan, better than Eloy, better than uh, uh, Jose, even though he was a little older. I would agree. And that, that Abreu thing is funny, too, in itself, because I remember the World Series that year in 2013. It was the Red Sox, and I forgot. Uh, was it the Phillies, maybe? I don't, I don't remember who they beat that year in the World Series, the Red Sox. But I remember Ken Rosenthal breaking in in the middle of a World Series game to talk about the White Sox signing Jose Abreu. And at the time, I thought that was a huge deal. I was like, because they were kind of, they, they needed someone to take it, to, to take have the franchise take the next step with. Because Paul Konerko was on his way out, as was Adam Dunn, and guys were starting to get older, and you were really starting to see the door slam shut uh, on that World Series team and, and any really any contention. So that, before they acquired Avi, that was like the, you know, the demarcation point in terms of the next phase of White Sox history. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Jose Abreu in there because I, th I believe they played 
Um, they may have played on the same professional team in Cuba, but Luis Robert has been playing professional baseball in Cuba since he was like 15 or 16 years old. So like to see him on the field every day, people, people knew that, that he could play baseball at a very young age. The only uh, thing with him was to stay healthy. And you mentioned sort of things that we we're going to compare him to. You know, we've been collecting this list at, at, at 670 The Score of <laughs> contributors of, of what they think of Luis Robert. Now, brace yourselves if you haven't heard this before, but there's a lot of big-time names in these, in these comparisons. Comps is what we call them in the industry. Isn't that right, Herbie? Um, so, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So you're going to hear from teammates like Aaron Bummer and Eloy Jimenez, but you're also going to hear from longtime baseball lifers like our very own Bruce Levine, Steve Stone, Scott Greger, who's been covering the Sox for, I think, three decades. Uh, Joe McEwing uh, via Jason Benetti's voice. Uh, John Morosi of MLB.com. The great Hall of Famer Peter Gammons. John Heyman, Scott Podsednik, and Dan Plesak. Here's what they had to say about Luis Robert, mind you, before he's even played one major league game. I could talk about Luis Robert all day. I've seen a lot of Under Armour mannequins that look like that. You will see. He's going to be the next Mike Trout. Going Ken Griffey, going Willie Mays with him. Andre Dawson comes to mind. I was fortunate enough to be able to watch Roberto Clemente play. I have heard that comp with him before. A combination of Andrew Jones and Bo Jackson. A, a combination of Cespedes and Mookie Betts. How about that? A combination of speed and power. I think maybe potentially Aaron Judge. To me, he's like Acuna with speed. I saw Ichiro. You just very rarely see a guy that has the ability to just do it all. He reminds me a little bit of an Ellis Burks when that guy was beast for a while when he came up with the Red Sox. He reminds me a little bit of Dave Winfield. So, yeah, Ellis Burks and Dave Winfield were the ones today, Herbie. I don't know if you caught that. That's a, that's, yeah, that's a huge stretch. Ellis Burks <laughs> was decent, but Dave Winfield was a Hall of, Hall of Fame baseball player with with great basketball and hockey bona fides. Yeah. Also football, too. An amazing athlete, yeah. It's like when you when you see Dave Winfield, especially like in, in the early Yankees days, like, oh, man, that's a, that's a man's man right there. And that's sort of the thing that I think of when I, when I think of Luis Robert. It's like I can't find someone with the physical traits that he has to comp him to. And I think that's why you get so many different comparisons by so many different well-respected people in baseball they just you you, you can't you, you haven't really seen anything like him before i i like you know the, the the acuna with speed thing i think if he's ronald acuna jr from the braves as john oh, yeah. hammond said i think the Sox are in business i, I think that's a fair comp a, a high prospect a contemporary of his uh someone with with flash and all types of raw ability uh but yeah I, i'd be cool with that if he was ronald acuna what about you yeah, yeah. I always wish that um, guys, uh, fans, and outliers like us would not expect him to do it his rookie year. If he does, bonus. This is his first time going against these people. Remember, like you know, most of the people who are veterans who are going to be pitching this year and will be doing things to him that minor leaguers could not do. So yeah, we have high expectations, and I have all the faith in the world that he can adjust to what the pitchers are throwing at throwing at him eventually but i don't want people like oh he's a big time bust if he doesn't hit this year i can see that happening very easily major leagues is very hard and one thing that dan plesak also said today it's the same thing i said when we were on with dan bernstein the other day is playing in front of zero crowds is definitely going to help a lot of these guys with that process that you just mentioned i mean you know being a Sox fan 
it's it's a it's a different thing and and we have this sort of adversarial relationship with our team mm. that a lot of teams yes. don't like i thought fans are the same no matter where you go but i think it was the first time that i ever experienced this but i went out to anaheim and maybe you could speak mm. to it a little bit when you were in southern california yourself be you know being a padres observer for for that long a time but angels fans they were just kind of like happy to be there they were supportive but it definitely wasn't like White Sox fans where they were, they were trying to get on your ass like the second you didn't meet whatever expectations you had in your mind. Would you would you agree that that was like a, a Southern California mentality of fandom? Yeah, because I forgot who they loved. Oh, no, they loved Andrew Kashner. Loved Andrew Kashner out there. The guy they traded for, Anthony Rizzo, he largely disappointed when he was out in San Diego. He was supposed to be their number one pitcher and never was that they treated him very very favorably in chicago a guy like andrew cashman gets traded for a guy who turns out to be an all-star would have been booed mercilessly so yeah they're way too laissez-faire with their players and they you know respect and love their guys eric hosmer hasn't been living up to the big time contract that he has here already he would have been you know very ostracized they would they white sox fans would have killed them when they signed the contract because he signed over scale and people thought he was very overpaid he hasn't really brought the eric hosmer that was in kansas city to san diego yet so they're very very uh favorable and they're very forgiving of their players they love them out there and i think maybe we're starting to see that the tide change a little bit with with white Sox fans as fans like people of our age who grew up through social media and can watch these guys develop uh, online and watch everyone come up through the minors. And, you know, it's kind of a we, – we understand that sometimes it, it takes a long time to, to bake a cake, you know. And so, like, we're, we're a little more understanding. And, and it's a lot easier with younger players. I think everyone can agree, whether you've been, like, the most diehard Sox fan, like, for the, your entire life or you're someone who has just jumped on a board – Maybe you're only young enough to know this iteration of the Sox through the rebuild, but it's it's becoming a little. It's a lot easier and more palatable to cheer on a guy and sort of have expect fair expectations for guys when you see them come up through the minors and you see them struggle as rookies as opposed to a guy that's coming here on a big time contract like Adam Dunn. Like Adam, and we'll talk about Adam Dunn all the time on this podcast and how he didn't perform to Sox fans' expectations, which were. They were fair, I think, um, but you know he never quite recovered from underperforming early on, and it just every time he was out there and he didn't hit a, a 500 foot homer, people booed, you know. So I, I think it's, it's, I think it's fair that we set these expectations and just kind of give everything with Luis Robert a little context in case you are a casual fan who doesn't follow top prospect list and you haven't been able to take in a lot of spring training games and you know maybe you don't care about these exhibition games that you've had but odds are if you're a Sox fan you've heard of Luis Robert and it's our you know to what extent we don't know so we're, we're providing all that context as we go into 2020 when you can pretty much throw everything out the window because you're talking about a 60 game sample size and, and variance is going to be through the roof so here's what Fangraphs projects for Luis Robert and I'm going to ask you after what you think Luis Robert's going to do this year and I'll tell you where I think He'll finish in the AL Rookie of the Year race on, on the next episode of Locked on White Sox. Uh, so for this year, Fangraphs projects Luis Robert to play 45 games, uh, 186 at-bats, 
just under 200 plate appearances, 49 hits, 31 singles, eight doubles, three triples, seven homers, 23 RBIs, eight walks, 56 strikeouts, nine stolen bases, uh, batting 263 with an OBP of 307, and slugging 452 with an OPS of 758, good for just under one war. Um, I thought they'd be a lot higher than that uh, with the, with the Fangraphs Zips projections. What about you? Is that a little shocking to you when you hear those numbers out loud together? No, actually, that was around where I was thinking under ten home runs for the season for sixty home sixty games schedule. Uh, the average is about where I thought in the on base, not far away from that because he doesn't walk that much. But yeah, that's those are fair numbers for a rookie in a sixty game season. He almost, and I'm watching the game live right now, he almost beat out a routine ball to third base. To third base, where Jerko dove a little bit, but still, it, anybody would be out by five, six steps. It was bang, bang. Guy's got dumb speed. Real dumb speed. Just easy, effortless dumb speed. So, yeah, it's, uh, I, you could have called it either way. If they were doing replays, I would have definitely seen one right now. Man, he's like a you're you you're saying this this person this athlete is like nothing you've seen before it's ridiculous his body is built as such he moves like a panther so i'm saying like he, he's got that 88 on his back and it, it's like you know watching a modern day nfl tight end out there or wide receiver yeah. you know what i mean like it's, it's a freak oh you know yeah and he, the fact that he plays baseball is just lucky for us like if he was born in some other country where he's born here in america they would have definitely switched him to football and he would have been playing that right now. Like, so I'm he, glad that he was, he's in Cuba and he established playing baseball when he was a kid and we didn't lose him to soccer. Yeah, like he would be – like if he was born 90 miles uh, north, he, he would have been maybe, you know, uh, uh, a safety at the U. You know what I mean? Like yeah. one of those Same things. Same body. Exactly, exactly, right. He's like a free safety out there in center field, which is why I worry about the the well-being of, of Eloy Jimenez out there. And not so much Adam Engel because I think he can, he can tuck and roll if he has to if Lou Bob's coming at him. But, yeah, so back to these Zips projections. I, I was a little underwhelmed uh, with, with the power numbers only because – I, I, you know, I want to be careful with expectations here, but I, I was, I wasn't totally sure about the 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 power for for Luis Robert as I watched him come up through the minor leagues. You know, because he, he of course dealt with those injuries and the wrist and and fingers and hand, and it's it's tough to get your power stroke going. But then, the the last calendar year when he was in the minor leagues, he just he just tore apart Double A AA and Triple A pitching with with power, and all of a sudden he started hitting. The, the Durham Bull out there in, in left field and things like that. And then what I saw of him in, in these exhibition games uh, at, at Guaranteed Rate Field where he's hitting balls into Jim Tomey territory and he's almost hitting the concourse on a fly. And I know it's exhibition and guys are working on stuff, but I've kind of, you know, I, I, I've, I'm, I'm paying close attention to his power ability here. And I'm wondering if – he found a, a power stroke here as you drop, you start the season, you, you know, you, you put the needle of the record right in, right into the middle of, of the song here in the, in the calendar season. And all of a sudden he's feeling good. Weather's hot. He's got a power stroke going and he seems to be in a groove. I, I think it, it's, it's certainly not of the realm of possibility for, for him to hit maybe, you know, 12 to 15 homers this year in, in a, in a short season. I know that that may sound a lot, but the way he's hitting right now, 
I'm saying. Uh, I think it's a possibility. And again, he's going to get a heavy dose of breaking balls, and we're going to sort of analyze this at the, as the year goes on, how guys are pitching him, how quickly he adjusts. But the way he adjusted off of what Kyle Hendricks was doing to him the other night was good. Um, not so great against you, Darvish, but you know you kind of got into a groove a little bit uh, with his slider, and, and he's pretty. He's one of the nastiest throwers in all of baseball when he's on. So yeah, I, I, let's. It's fair to just set the bar there. I have the the OBP being a little bit higher because of the speed you mentioned. They've got it at just three oh seven. I, I think maybe three twenty to three thirty is a little bit more fair for a guy like him. He's going to get his share of hits just on natural ability, like you said, nearly beating out a, a routine ground ball to third base. Um, and I think one of the things that you won't see this year as you would normally is over one sixty two is the nagging injuries. Like you know, you're probably going to see everyone go full bore 100% and 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 really hustle 100% of the time. So I think he'll get more hits that way over the course of a shortened season than he would over a full season where guys aren't really trying hard the 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 entire time. So that's that's where you have it with with his projections for this year. Um I think it's underwhelming as far as the projections go. You think it's it's right on par and we'll have to wait and see how this goes and how it develops over the course of the year. But f- as we close out here today, and we're two days away from the real thing starting, and I, I just I can't wait to see him out in center field and, and it being for real. I think it's one of the saddest parts about just the baseball part of this season is that we don't get to see him progress over the course of a year, and we don't get to see him out there from April, you know, to wire, wire to wire, you know. So here's what his teammate said of him. This is Lucas Giolito talking about what he thinks of and what he sees when he sees Luis Robert. I mean, unbelievable athlete, obviously extremely strong, extremely fast. I've been impressed with his outfield defense big time. Uh, I know that he really puts his work in out there uh, practicing the defensive side. Um, Obviously, the bat kind of spoke for itself last night. Uh, I think that he's going to be an absolute beast for, you know, the next 10 to 20 years. So I'm excited he's on our team. A beast for ten to twenty years, Herbie. <laughs> we'll, yeah. we'll go through your mind when you hear that. I mean, that guy knows he's he was a beast himself. First uh, pick uh, out of the draft for the first round for the Nationals and number one minor league pitching prospect. So he knows he's been through the minors. He's been in the majors the last couple of years. He knows talent, and everybody that sees Luis Robert sees some greatness. And I don't, you don't get this. Like everybody tries to be calm and relaxed about giving too much expectations to people but with him it people let it fly because they see it they they want people to know that this man is the truth and we're not afraid to put labels on him that are high like willie mays we're not afraid to put labels on i remember we were talking on the other day and remember earlier in the year i think right when he signed his extension somebody was saying that uh, he'll be like half as good as Ricky Henderson or was comparing Ricky Henderson to Luis Robert. I was like, already, stop. You're comparing him to one of the greats of all time. And if he's half as good as Ricky Henderson, I will take that career. If he's Ricky Henderson, I will murder somebody and take that career. <laughs> Who would you murder? Whoever, whoever <laughs> wants to die. Because, man, I would love, love to have... Ricky Henderson? Are you, these people are just dumb to say, oh, God, it was a bad throw by Yawn, but Hose saved him. But, yeah, I would love to have a Ricky Henderson on my team. Anybody. 
uh, profiles to be Ricky Henderson. Give me everything that he brings to the table, the swag, the pulling of the jersey. Oh, yeah. The, the talking in third person. All time. The John Olerud thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the John Olerud thing, for those who don't know the story, I, it's since it's been debunked, I think, by John Olerud. I don't know why he would come out and debunk that, you know, unless he would. John Olerud is known for ruining my life uh, <laughs> when he was a Blue Jay back in 93. Uh, so Ricky Henderson was on that. Uh, 93 Blue Jays team. Maybe he's 92. Either way, he was teammates with John Olerud in Toronto uh, when the world, the uh, the Blue Jays won back-to-back World Series ch- championships, and Ricky Henderson was pretty damn good then. It's, it's still, and so eventually, you know, he plays together with with John Olerud, and later on, talking year 2000, I remember asking um, Glendon Rush about this because Glendon was was uh, was on that team, the you know the 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 Mets of two thousand, who you know Robin Ventura had the walk off grand slam single in that year, and they went to the World Series and lost to the Yankees. But Ricky Henderson was on that team once again with John Olerud. So okay. so so John Olerud, he played the field with one of those with a batting helmet with no flaps. It was just to protect his head because he had some sort of brain procedure when he was younger but he always wore a helmet it was like a distinct characteristic and you don't see that a lot of guys so john olderwood had the helmet back in his toronto days so here comes ricky henderson the mets acquire him in 2000 and you know ricky joins the mets clubhouse and he goes hey i'm ricky what's your name he goes i'm john olderwood and you know i remember i played with someone with one of those helmets before and he goes, yeah, Ricky, it was me. <laughs> we played together in Toronto. <laughs> like, that's one of those, like, baseball stories that it just has to be true. Like, you really can't make that up. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> and I asked uh, Glendon, uh, Glendon Rush about that, and uh, he, he didn't deny it. But he just said Ricky is, like, one of the all-time great teammates. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I can't get over you killing someone for Luis Robert to be Ricky Henderson. It makes me think of, like, stories you hear of uh, when when guys are coming up through the old the mafia where it's like you you're sitting in the back of a car with someone's like oh you want you want to be a made guy well just go up to that guy and kill him like just a random guy not even like a contracted <laughs> go up to that guy walking his dog and kill him i think i read something about that or saw that on on the uh the ice man uh, hbo documentary back <laughs> in the day well yeah I, I hope it doesn't come to that hopefully he can be that good on his own but i just thought it was important that we that we set the expectations leading into the 2020 championship season, friends. Uh, and, you know, and we're going to follow this all year with Luis Robert. How is he doing? We're going to track the progress. We're going to just talk about – there's going to be times where we're just going to want to talk about something he, amazing he did on the field. So stay, stay with us here on Lockdown White Sox, and, and, and we're going to be about all things Luis Robert because every Sox fan I know, just they, they can't get enough Luis Robert content. So – I think the one thing he does have going for him, you know, besides the no fans being in attendance, is the, the pressure with that is just you, you take that off their shoulders, saying a guy coming over and not only learning about this country for the first time, you know, he's, he's only been here a couple of years, but also learning how to be a professional athlete, be a baseball player, and, and especially being a young guy in trying times like these with, with COVID and being responsible. So there's a lot thrown in there for a guy to be successful and you know we'll, we'll have to wait and see how it plays out obviously but you know i think that's one of the things that will help Luis robert this year is you you strip away that layer of the fans expectations like he can tune out what the pundits the baseball pundits and experts say about him he can easily tune that out 
he can not read press clippings and him not knowing the language that well helps, you know, it's a, he, I wouldn't recommend listening to sports radio if I were him, <laughs> but you know, so he can tune that out and he won't feel the fans expectations thrust upon him. Uh, I, I'm sure he knows the things that we're talking about here and he's heard some of the comps and, you know, so, so I think he's got the right mind state. He seems to be a quiet, humble kid who seems to be okay with just listening. Cause you see Eloy and Abreu kind of just, take him under their wing and kind of show him how things are done at least from from what i've seen and i'm just really looking forward to watching him play and hopefully it is over the next 20 10 to 20 years like uh, lucas giolito said yeah and i think that that is a good uh lesson for most people to come in and have the mouth closed and the ears open and it looks like that's what he's doing he's soaking up all the knowledge he can and i see nothing but great things for him eventually but i want to make sure that everybody treats him fair this is his first time going against these people so if he struggles like fangrass that's i would say struggling 265 because we expect more out of him than that and under 10 home runs we expect more than that even in a 60 uh, season 60 game season so i would just say make sure you watch every at bat that he does have and don't miss him on the field because he's going to be exciting there but make sure also that you don't put these undue expectations on the kid because he doesn't need it. And with the fans not being there, excellent. Just get pickup, Luis. Don't don't go to any restaurants. Even when they open it up, <laughs> get your regular Domino's. Let them let a man deliver it to your thing. Don't listen to not a word anybody says except for your teammates and your coaches. That's it. I've often heard you say you will, you know, pack someone's bags and drive them to the airport. Are you saying that you're going to pick up Luis Roberts' food meals uh, over the course of the year? Would be you if, if, need, if need be. I will be that guy <laughs> and deliver it to his either uh, furnished apartment or hotel room wherever he wants to go. I will uh, hook him up with some delicious pizza this time, not just Domino's, <laughs> except for their pan, delicious that way. But he needs to step up his game that way and. Uh, I will do whatever he needs to do, wants me to do, for the price of on the house, just so I can have a book, like a little page in his Hall of Fame book when he does retire in 30, 30 years from now. Well, 20 years, he's going to be a beast, and then he's going to retire in 25. Yes. Um, I, I, you know, I think I'm going 6 to midnight here thinking about you as a pizza delivery man showing up to Luis Roberts' uh, apartment or condo or whatever. But <laughs> Thank you very much, Chris Tannehill. I am Herb Lawrence. Thank you for joining us on Locked on Socks. You can follow the show at Locked on Socks on Twitter and on Instagram. Send us an email, LockedOnSocks at gmail.com for a mailbag Monday, which will get your questions and or just suggestions on the air if they are good. Follow Chris Tannehill at Chris Tannehill. I am at Ecknerwall23. And thank you for listening to this episode of Locked on Luis. <laughs> 